Well, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. We're continuing or we're starting this study of this great Old Testament prophetic book. When you think of Daniel, you think of Daniel in the lion's den. Or maybe you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and three boys in the fiery furnace. And there are so many stories connected with the book of Daniel. Daniel is one of the most famous books, and he's one of the most famous people in the Bible. He is very beloved, of course, but sometimes misunderstood. Well, why? Because the book of Daniel has dreams, it has visions, it has prophecies. It's what's called apocalyptic literature, which means an unveiling, giving information. Daniel is found in our section of the Bible, which we call the major prophets as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And Daniel ties together the future, not only from his time. When he lived, he saw the future just ahead of him as he, as he looked and he saw the, the Greco-Macedonians, the, you know, the, the, the Romans and on up. He saw all of that. But he even saw into our future. The future when one day there would be a man of sin come. One day there would be a time of tribulation. One day there would be a king coming who would rule the world. This book is very practical because when you look at the life of Daniel and you look at the life of his friends that are mentioned in chapter 1 as well and in chapter 3, you see, how does a person live for God in a fallen world? Because Daniel lived in a very pagan culture. He was taken off as a, as a young boy, taken into captivity into Babylon, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler of the Babylonian Empire, and yet he chose to live righteously and godly in a fallen world and culture. How do we live in a fallen world and culture? We see Daniel as a young boy, and we see him as an old man. And he lived his entire life in captivity. Now, we're going to talk about the captivity and what do we mean in captivity and where was he in captivity and how does it all tie together. But the book of Daniel can help us in a number of ways. Let me give some things to you to think about. First of all, it can help us because we see the character of Daniel. You know, when you, if you were, grew up in church, I didn't, but I know some people who did, and they were taught, be, dare to be a Daniel. And so we see a man of character, a man and his friends who stood uh, to live for God in a fallen world. And how do we live in a fallen culture? And we notice our culture seems to be going further and further and further and further away. Well, how do we live? How are we going to make a difference? Well, as we look at the character of Daniel, we can see that. There's a second thing that we see, and that's that we see the sovereignty of God. And God is sovereign. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He rules the world. The world is not out of control. Regardless of what North Korea is thinking about doing or not doing, or what ISIS is going to do or not do, listen, God is in control of the whole world, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have to trust him. And there's a third thing, and we're going to see God's plan for the future. He's working all events. God has a plan. And as you look at the book of Daniel, and we're going to take Daniel, and if, it, just to be honest, you, you, if you, you put together Matthew and Zechariah and First and Second Thessalonians, and you go to the book of Revelation and you put all these together, you can see how the end times fit together. Daniel and Revelation go together. And we'll see the flow of end-time events, how it flows together. So in the weeks to come, we'll see Daniel's character, what it's like to live in a fallen world. We'll understand that God rules the world. And we'll see about the kingdoms as he raises up kings and sets down kings. And so it's going to be a great study as we go through this. Now, Daniel is full of end-time events. I mean, that's what we see. 
in end times events are fun to study. There are many books uh, dealing with the subject. You can go in a bookstore, and a Christian bookstore, and you can look for books that deal with end times or the book of Revelation. And you, you hear terms like prophecy and antichrist and tribulation and abomination and desolation and judgment and king and messiah and the beast out of the sea and all of these kind of things. Well, those are all going to be found and tied together in the book of Daniel. We've done several studies over the years. did a study not too long ago on end-time events, and we put together an end-time events. I did a study in our grow groups called The Seven Last Things in the Book of Revelation, and we put that together so you can see it all. But when we look at Daniel, we're going to get the big picture, and we'll have to go, and we'll, talk, we'll have to, go to Revelation to put them together. We realize that one day, now think about this, one day, and it could be any time, Jesus Christ is going to come out of heaven. He's going to come in the clouds. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together and will be taken off the face of the earth to be with Jesus Christ. It's called the rapture. Following that, there will be a time period on this earth called the tribulation that lasts for seven years. There will be a man come to power. We've often called him the Antichrist, but in the Bible, he's actually called the Beast. And he will come to power and make a peace pact with Israel for seven years. Halfway through, he will claim to be God. It'll be the worst destruction that's ever been on the face of the earth. At the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ will come a second time to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords and set up a kingdom that will last for a thousand years on this earth and there'll be another thing after that and then an eternal kingdom. That's what's going to happen. And as you can see, this is the chart that puts it all together. This is the Old Testament. This is Jesus coming to the earth to die on the cross, pay for sin and rise again. He ascended back to heaven. We're now in what we call the church age. Sometimes we call it the New Testament. It's the church age. The next event where Jesus will come in the clouds, the church will be taken off the face of the earth. We call that the rapture. Following that will be a seven-year time period called the tribulation. Jesus will come a second time as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will rule for a thousand years. There will be something called the great white throne judgment we'll see that and then all into eternity and that's Jesus as the king of kings the lord of lords the kingdom that will have no end now what may uh, amaze you is every one of these events except whoops press the wrong button every one of these events except our time period the church and the rapture are found in the book of Daniel all of these now, the church is not mentioned in the book of Daniel, and here's why. The church is not mentioned in the Old Testament. You may not have realized that, but our time period in which Jew and Gentile coming together, trusting in Jesus Christ, called the church or the body of Christ, and the rapture that is not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament because it's a mystery. When you read Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about the mystery that he got to reveal. And so we'll talk more about that as we get to it. So all of these events and all of these things will be in the book of Daniel. Daniel has the most comprehensive information of any Old Testament book dealing with end times. Daniel, through dreams, gives the history of the world ending with the Messiah and the King. Reveal, uh, Daniel reveals the kingdoms that are going to come and the kingdoms that are going to fall. And so we'll see that. Now, the key to the book, and uh, by the way, let, let me just give you this. I, I've given you this card, and on one side, it get, tells Daniel, it tells the author, the date, the recipients, key verses, theme of the book, an overview, and some key events. Then on the flip side is actually the outline of the book of Daniel. You can take this, keep this in your Bible, and use it as you study. But the key of the book is that God rules the world. 
That's the key of the book. And we're going to see some amazing events. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. I'll just give you sort of a little brief overview. But he is the sovereign, working all events according to the counsel of his will. The world is not out of control. This book was actually written to bring comfort to the nation of Israel. They are in captivity when this book is written. They go off into captivity. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. And it's written to comfort Israel, but it's also written for our information. Let's get a little background. Let's see how this stuff fits together. First of all, when you think about the Old Testament, it's divided into four big groups. Their first part's called the law, and that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's called the law. Sometimes it's called the Torah. Sometimes in our English Bible, it's called the Pentateuch, which means five. And so that's the first five books. It was written by Moses. Then we have the history section, which begins with Joshua and goes Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. That's the history section of the Old Testament. Then we have the writings and the writing section, which has Job and Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And then the final section of our Bible, our, our Bible, is called the prophet section, or the prophecy section. It's divided into two sections, the major and the minor prophets. And they're divided, major and minor, based on the length of the books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are longer books. They're called major prophets. And then Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, those, those books are called minor prophets. So when we think about how our Bible is divided, Daniel is in the prophet section of our Bible. Just to give you an idea of time, Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Jesus. Moses lived about 1,500 years before Jesus. King David lived about 1,000 years before Jesus. And Daniel lived about 500. He was really born uh, in like, he lived in like 605, but he lived all the way down to like 535. So just to make it simple, we put that Daniel lived about 500 years before Jesus. And so that gives you an idea of where he is and when he is. Now, let me give you some history. The first king of Israel was a guy named Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he was not a very good king. In fact, God rejected him from being king, and he chose David. And David became what we call the great king of Israel. And David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a great king. And after David died, Solomon, his son, became king. And if you know who Solomon is, uh, the name Solomon comes from Shalom. It has the idea of peace, and he was a great king of peace. He ruled the world. He was the richest king that ever lived. He was the wisest person who ever lived. He wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote all, he wrote all kind of deals. Uh, and he was Song of Solomon and other things. He was an amazing man. When he died, something happened. The nation of Israel divided and it divided into two kingdoms. It divided into a northern kingdom, which, had, which was called Israel, and a southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And they, the nation of Israel, turned away from God. Now, you know, we think about that, and we go, nation of Israel? I mean, they're God's chosen people. He gave them the Bible. There was Moses and Joshua and Judges. I mean, just all these famous people and everything. And they turned away from God. And then we look that our lives. We turn away from God. The nation of Israel turned away from God, and since they're his people, he began to discipline them. And the northern kingdom had no believing kings, and in 722 BC, a nation called the Assyrians captured and destroyed the northern kingdom. They tried to get the southern kingdom, but they weren't able to do it. There was a prophet named Isaiah, and there was a king named Hezekiah, and there were some great events that happened. About a hundred years after that, 
the southern kingdom was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The Babylonians' capital was in Babylon, which is very close to Baghdad. This is the part of the world where there's Iran, Iraq, that part of the world, Tigris, Euphrates River, the part of the world that we know about because we see it. In fact, uh, Aroxy, who we just mentioned, her mother lives, and I think I'm right, Aroxy, your mother still lives in Baghdad. Am I right? She lives in Baghdad, which is where the capital, basically where the capital of the Babylonian Empire was. The Jewish people are taken into captivity. The story of Daniel, a young man, captured, city looted, taken off into captivity. That's what we're going to see, and that's what the book is about. And you could put it this way. The summary, the book of Daniel, is the story of a young Jewish boy taken captive into Babylon. He lived his entire life in Babylon, over 70 years. In fact, he never went back home. Even after the Babylonian Empire fell and the Medio Persian Empire took over, Daniel never went home. Never went home. So, as we look at the book, it's just incredible. We see him standing for the Word of God. When the culture pushes you, when the culture tells you certain things are right, and certain things are wrong. And when the culture is telling you that this is right, and you know from the Bible it's wrong, what do you do? How do, do you stand for Christ in a culture? Do you stand for Christ at work? Do you stand for Christ on the campus? Do you stand for Christ in your families? How do we live when our culture pushes us? When everybody says something like, well, that's that, everybody does that. It's no big deal. And you, you know the scripture says it's wrong. What do you do? We're going to see how God used Daniel. And we can also see the end time events. Now some people say that Daniel couldn't have been written by Daniel. Because Daniel, he talks about when he lived and what he did. And he lived over 600 years or, you know, 600 years before Christ. And he wrote this book. And some people say, no, no. And, and here's what they say. It's too exact he wrote about nations that had never even come to power yet. He wrote about nations that didn't even exist. And he called them by name before they ever existed. Liberal scholars say that somebody else wrote Daniel after all these events happened and put his name on it. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24 said, Daniel said the following thing. Let me tell you, if Jesus said there was a Daniel and that Daniel wrote these things, that's good enough for me. I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me. The sovereignty of God and the rulership. So what do we see? We see that the author is Daniel, the theme is God rules the world, and the date's about 600 years before Christ. Now let me remind you of something. nation of Israel has rebelled. God is disciplining his people. And the reason he give, uses Daniel to give information about the future, he wants to know his people, he wants his people to realize it's not over with. Let me remind you of something. If you were Jewish and you lived a time of Daniel, you believe that you are God's chosen people and he has a plan for these people. And one day he allows a pagan world to come in, a pagan army, a man named Nebuchadnezzar, who comes in and destroys your whole nation and takes you off into captivity. And you think, what happened to us? What's going to happen to us? Is God through with us? And the book of Daniel 
reminds the Jewish people that God raises up kings and sets down kings, but he's not through with the Jewish people, and one day there will be a Messiah who will rule the world. He's a Jewish Messiah, by the way. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what this book is about. You know, God does the same thing for us, because sometimes he disciplines us, and you know when he disciplines us, he reminds us that he'll never leave us or forsake us, which should we fear. So when we look at this book, we're going to see Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greco-Macedonian, Roman. We're going to see all these empires, and we're going to see things. Now, let me, let me give you some events. If you've never read Daniel, you may have read selected parts of Daniel. Maybe when you were a little child or something, you heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you heard those. But have you ever studied the book of Daniel. Let me give you some things. Here's some things. You know, we're going to see in chapter 1 the capture and the fall of Jerusalem and what God does, what he allows. What would you do if you were 14 years old and they take you away? What's going to happen to you? What's it going to be like in Babylon? We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. By the way, he has this dream And he dreams of a giant statue. I mean, a giant statue. And the head is made out of gold. And the arms are made out of silver. And the stomach and this part is made out of bronze. And then this is made out of of, of iron. And then he's got feet made out of iron and clay. He sees this giant statue standing there. And he has this dream. And he calls in his wise men and says, Somebody tell me about the dream. And they they can't tell him, so he's going to kill all of them. And Daniel says, God told me, I'll tell you. And we'll see that. And then we see the famous story of the three young Hebrew boys thrown in the fiery furnace. Did you know there were actually four people in the furnace? You ever looked at the passage? Nebuchadnezzar throws the three boys in the fiery furnace, but he looks in there and he says, wait a minute. There are four people in there walking around. And one looks like a son of the gods. That's what he says. Then we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a big tree. That sounds funny, doesn't it? A big tree. But it tells him he's going to become an animal. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonian empire, becomes an animal. He has the mind of an animal. We're going to see that as we go through this book. Then we're going to see the story of the handwriting. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Because this man named Belshazzar, who is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, decides to have a party, and he brings out items from the temple in Jerusalem that they stole when they destroyed the temple, and he brings them out, and he's drinking out of them, drinking wine and drinking out of them and making fun of the God of Israel. And a hand appears and writes on the wall. It says, Mine, mine, tiko, uparshan. That's what it says. Nobody understands it. Nobody knows what it means. Until Daniel comes. Famous. And then, of course, Daniel thrown in the lion's den. And some people don't even know why Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. They just were known that he was thrown in the lion's den. What does the lion's den look like? We went to the zoo yesterday in Oklahoma City. The lion's den, they just, they're kind of around, and there's a glass thing in there. That's not what a lion's den looked like at the time of Daniel, I can tell you that. It's down in the ground. There's a big hole. Lions were down in the bottom. They took people and they dropped them down in there. And most of the time, just as soon as they got to the bottom, lions jumped up and ate them to pieces. So what's going to happen to Daniel when he gets thrown in the lion's den? And then there's this dream about four beasts 
coming up out of the sea and these four beasts represent four kingdoms from the time of Daniel to come. And we're going to see that not only represents from the time of Daniel, but even to the end of time. And we'll see it. And then Daniel dreams this dream about 70 weeks. And uh, this is going to be a hard one, but I'm going to explain it to you when we get to that chapter. The book is not an easy book to study. And so on Sunday mornings, we're going to have to listen. And I'm going to have to talk where you can grasp it and understand it because some of these things are hard. But it's some great things that will change our lives. The book is divided into two parts. Chapters 1 through 6, Daniel interprets other people's dreams. It's chronological from the time Daniel was a young boy to the time that Daniel is an old man. That's chapters 1 through 6. Chapters 7 through 12, Daniel has dreams and an angel interprets those dreams. And it's not chronological and we'll show you how it fits together. The key to the whole book is Daniel 2.44. God rules the world. Here's the outline of the book. Daniel interprets others' dreams. That's, you've got this handout, but we're going to see the fall of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the three boys in the furnace, at the tree of the tree, the handwriting on the wall, Daniel in the lion's den. We're going to see four beasts from the sea. We're going to see a ram and a goat. This is going back to Alexander the Great, and we're going to talk about something that happened in actual history, and we'll see how it fit. The 70 weeks of Daniel in the time of the Gentiles. Now, I want you to understand something. The nation of Israel went into captivity. Why? Why would God allow a pagan nation to conquer his people and take them off? Two reasons. Idolatry. I want to read something to you. You don't have to turn there. I just want you to listen. This is Second Chronicles. This is in the history section. But in Second Chronicles chapter 36, here's what God tells us. The first reason he allowed them to go into captivity is because they turned away from God. Listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15. The Lord, their God, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion. But they continually, talking about nation of Israel, they continually mocked the messengers of God. They made fun of the prophets. They despised God's word. They scoffed at the prophets. Therefore, God brought up the king of the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, and brought the sword to their house and had no compassion. So he took the people off into captivity. There's a second reason. They didn't observe the Sabbath. Now, when you think of a Sabbath, all the word Sabbath means means rest. And we know that in a normal week, First day of the week is Sunday, last day of the week Saturday. They would work six days and rest on the seventh, which was the Sabbath day. They also were to take care of their land for six years and let the land rest once every seven years. They did not do that. So God said, if you haven't kept my Sabbaths, I'm going to take you into captivity. And here's what it says. Those who escaped the sword were carried away into captivity in Babylon to fulfill the word of the Lord so the land could enjoy its Sabbaths. He actually tells them in Jeremiah 25.11 and 29.10 they would be in captivity for 70 years. Do you want to take a guess how long they were in captivity? 70 years exactly. Let me tell you, if God says they're going to be in captivity for 70 years, guess how long they're going to be in captivity? 
70 years. If God tells us that he will rule on this earth in a kingdom for a thousand years, that's the millennial kingdom, how long do you think that kingdom's going to last? thousand years. Whatever God says is always true. So let me show you something. There were three times that the land, the people were deported, okay? They came in in 605 B.C., that's Daniel chapter 1, and that's Daniel himself was taken off into captivity in the first deportation. They came back in 598 B.C., and Ezekiel was taken off into captivity. They came back in 585 B.C., and the city was burned, and the temple was destroyed. And we're going to see this as we study the book. And the background is set for the book of Daniel. The people are in rebellion. The northern kingdom is already gone. The southern kingdom is being attacked by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and Daniel and his friends are going to be captured and taken off into captivity. We'll see that as we get into the book next week. Let me give you some applications, okay? First one is this. God rules the world. Listen, you don't, you don't have to be afraid. He's in control. He is sovereign. We can rest to the fact that he's in control of all things. The events of our lives, he, he works all things together for good. We can trust him in the world events. And let me tell you, we, if you listen to the, to the TV, it doesn't matter which channel you're looking for. Some are conservative and some are liberal. But they're all telling you how bad everything's going on in the world and how we don't know if they're going to send rockets over here and they don't know this is going to... And let me tell you, God rules the world. Second, sin brings judgment. The nation of Israel went into captivity because of sin. And let me tell you, we've got to deal with sin in our lives. If we think that as a Christian we can live in sin and get away with it, just remember whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every child he receives. We're going to see that. The third thing is remember that God keeps his word. And he said they would be in captivity for 70 years. How long were they in captivity? 70 years. He always does it. And last but not least, God wants us to know the future. And as we look through this book, it's for encouragement and comfort. And it's also we want to see God's plan for the world. May we live godly lives, resting in the sovereignty of God, knowing that he'll bring to pass all of his promises and all of his prophecies.